All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask Me Anything, episode one. Uh, being that this is the first episode, wanted to cover a couple of things. First of all, I wasn't sure if I was going to do one of those, you know, musical intros and have an announcer's voice. I might do that at some point. Not sure. But the most important thing was to uh, get the first episode out and uh, wanted to make sure I did that this week. So uh, there might be a little bit of, you know, branding change to this at some point. But for right now, it's just uh, sort of old fashioned, just me jumping on here. And uh, if you're new to this uh, side of what I'm doing, I just announced this about two or three weeks ago that I'm going to start doing an additional podcast episode, and this will only go on the podcast feeds. So this is not going to go on YouTube. It's not going to go on Facebook or any of those other places. It's not going to be a video. It's only going to be an audio and uh, sort of getting back to uh, my roots in radio and uh, making this uh, all about the audio. Now, if you would like to participate, there's two ways you can submit a question uh, to these special podcasts that will be done each week, typically on Wednesdays or Thursdays, they'll be recorded. Uh, if you want to submit a question by recording it, you can go to jimparisradio.com and you'll see there towards the top of the page, there's a button you can click on to record your question and submit it. And uh, other than that, you can always send me a question by email, jim at christianmoney.com. And what I'm doing is uh, everyone that submits a recorded question goes into a drawing. And once a month, we're going to give away all of the extra books that we have here in the studio that come from all of our guests and all the publishers that we work with. And uh, it'll be a nice giveaway and it'll be fun. All right. So let's get to this week's first question. Should Joe Biden be unable to complete his term as president? Is there a legal way to prevent Kamala Harris from becoming president, which, in my opinion, would be a great tragedy if she did? Thank you. All right. That question coming in from Rufus. And I'm recording this after the whole uh, debacle at the Afghan airport. And um, we actually have a family friend whose son is there and we haven't been able to find out if he's OK or not. And this is one of the really tough questions right now about what's happening uh, politically. And now that question came in from Rufus. Rufus, thank you so much for your question. And uh I'm not sure what would be worse, honestly, to have Joe Biden or have Kamala Harris. And uh, it's it's a tough thing. Now, technically speaking, I don't know of any way of preventing Kamala Harris from being president if Joe Biden, for some reason, can't serve out his term. The only option would be if somehow she was impeached and that would require not only legitimate charges of impeachment, but then you would have to have, uh, you know, uh, enough enough Republicans uh, in both houses uh, to make that happen. And I just don't see that as a possibility, um, even after 2022, which I think is going to be a tremendous red wave for Republicans. I still don't see us as having uh, the numbers to impeach. I mean, unless there actually is 
something that happens. You can't impeach someone strictly because of incompetence or strictly because of their liberal views or strictly because they don't really have the experience to be president and they shouldn't be even be serving as vice president. Uh, but that's just the harsh reality of it. I am concerned. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm 56 years old and I can tell you that I've probably never been more concerned about the future of this country than I am right now. I mean, we're seeing just some strange, strange things. I mean, not only all of this disaster that's happening in Afghanistan, but also just everyday things. You know, the price of everything is going up. Um, we've got so many businesses here in this area that are closed down or are operating on reduced hours because they don't have employees because of all of this uh, relief money that's out there. I mean, I'm all for helping people, but there's a point at which you help people too much and now you can't get workers. And this is the problem, especially in the service industry, uh, particularly with restaurants. So Rufus, thanks for your question. I wish I had an answer as to what we can do about either Biden or Harris. And uh, I'm not really sure that we can get rid of them. I think it's unfortunately all about focusing on 2022 and 2024. Hi, my name is Victor from Orlando, Florida. My question is, where do you see Bitcoin cryptocurrency heading to? Is it worth investing? Some say don't even bother. It would have been good if, if I would have invested from the beginning, maybe seven years ago. But I see banks are interested in cryptocurrency, Coinbase, blockchain. Where is this all heading to in the near future? Should I, should I investigate uh, in, uh, invest in Bitcoin? That is my question. Thank you. Great question there from Victor in Orlando. Victor, I can tell you that uh, people have been saying it's too high to get in. I mean, all the way back to when it hit $100, it was too high. Then when it hit $300, it was too high. And then I remember when it hit $1,300, a lot of people got out. A lot of people that had Bitcoin from early on sold it just thinking there's no way it's going to go any higher. What we have to look at is just the reality of an asset that has a limited quantity that will ever be produced of 21 million digital coins, 21 million, that's the maximum supply. And if we look at where we're at today, when we look at the mass adoption happening, especially by Wall Street, all of the, the, the investment funds, um, the investment uh, firms are getting involved. And what this means is that you have literally a worldwide demand of an asset, Bitcoin, that is now completely legitimized. This is no longer just kind of some strange, obscure uh, asset. We have Wall Street adoption. This is now you can put it in your IRA account. You've got the big firms like JP Morgan getting on board, uh, Goldman Sachs. It It is a thing. And when you talk about how high can it go? So I'm recording this right now. Bitcoin is at uh, just above $48,000 for one single Bitcoin. I started talking about Bitcoin when it was $12, $12. And I have had different experts on the show to talk about where could the price of Bitcoin go? We had um, 
We've had people on uh, suggesting uh, a million, suggesting two million. Uh, you may have seen, you know, articles or predictions about those price levels, which let's just take a million dollars right now. So that would mean that if it goes to a million, that means that it's 20 times what it is presently. But here's the truth. I mean, from what I've seen, um, if somebody got involved with Bitcoin, say, back in 2009 uh, with just 100 bucks, uh, and I haven't done this calculation in a couple of years, so this is probably way low. But it was crazy to do that calculation that $100 would grow to be worth over $200 million. And I did that calculation a couple of years ago, so it's probably way beyond that. Uh, and when you when you see those numbers, you think, wow, that's incredible. I wish I had gotten in in 2009. Uh, and, and everybody assumes that it's too late to get in right now. But there really is no limit to how high Bitcoin could go. I mean, when you think about it, going from $12 to $50,000, I mean, you could certainly look at it from one perspective to say it's, it's too high. It's gone way too far, way too fast. But then the other side of it is looking at it saying, you know, what's possible, you know, with exponential growth, uh, where could it go from here? And honestly, um, it could go as high as there is demand to support for it to go. I mean, a uh, million dollars is kind of a big, you know, number. People throw that out there. It's a big round number that people use. Two million dollars. I don't know that that's even the number. I mean, it could be 10 million. It could be 50 million. It could be 100 million. I, I will tell you this. I believe there are people today that will put small amounts. I'm talking about a thousand dollars or less into Bitcoin that someday down the road that will be their primary largest asset. In other words, I believe that today in 2021, there is still an opportunity for people to take a small amount of money, a thousand dollars or less, and for that to become worth uh, six figures, even seven figures. And people call me crazy, but they've been calling me crazy all along. Now, can I tell you, uh, Victor, to put your money in there? No, I can't give you personal advice to do that. And I always tell people, as much as I love Bitcoin and I'm excited about it and I've done well with it myself, you still have to look at it as a speculative asset. You know, that is, you could lose all your money. I mean, something could happen. I don't know what. The government could ban it. I, I don't know. I don't think it could ever really go to zero. But I think it would be irresponsible to advise people to you know, put their re refinance your house and put money in there or take money, you know, uh, away from, you know, more secure investments and put it there. But look, I mean, if, if you're listening and you could put 100 bucks in or 500 bucks in, you know, money that uh, is if you lost it, it's not going to change your life. I, I always, you know, when you talk about speculation in the investment world, it's it's always funny because. That is legitimately part of investing, but so many people, especially Christians, would say that that's wrong. It's wrong to make a high-risk investment. It, I, would see, I would say it's wrong to do it if you put all your money in it, but I think that uh, most professional investment portfolios, I know when I ran uh, professional money for people, I did some speculation. I mean, we would you know, take a small percentage of our money we were managing and put it into what we called long shot investments. So that's what I would consider Bitcoin is, is a long shot investment. 
Um, so don't put anything in there you can't afford to lose. I don't think it's too late, Victor. I really don't. How high could it go? Um, it's just up to the math. I mean, 21 million coins will be created maximum. And there is no limit to how high it can go. It could literally, one Bitcoin could be worth millions of dollars. And I believe today, recording this episode, I'm 56 years old. It's the year 2021. I'm sure that within my lifetime, I'm going to see flying cars. I'm going to see uh, space tourism. I'm going to see a lot of things that I don't see today. I think the future has a lot to offer. And a lot of what is happening in the future, we can't see it today. Just like in 2009, we could not see where Bitcoin might be down the road. And I literally think that, you know, as a 70 year old man, I could be looking at Bitcoin being worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So I know some people are going to hear this and think I've absolutely lost my mind, but I am not kidding you. I, I really believe in 10 years, 15 years from now, there is just no limit. I mean, there is no limit. Uh, and by the way, just to remind everybody, you don't need $48,000, $49,000 to get into Bitcoin because Bitcoin is divisible up to eight points, uh, you know, past uh, eight digits past the decimal point. So you can put $10 in, you can put $20 in, you don't need 48,000, you don't need a thousand, you don't even need a hundred dollars. So you can get started uh, with a very small amount of money. And uh, one option, I talk about this in my book, but it, if um, you go to bitcoinbonus.us, if you put a hundred bucks in Bitcoin and you use that link, bitcoinbonus.us, uh, Coinbase will give you an extra $10. Uh, to to you know add to your portfolio if you put a uh, hundred bucks in so there you go Victor in Orlando great question and it's not too late and I think everybody should have a little bit of money in Bitcoin hi Jim this is Nick from Nebraska I uh, love and appreciate your show and everything you do been a fan for years and uh, almost consider us to be like kindred spirits um, just wanted to say that um, I, I look at our government, I think a, a lot like you do, that there's been an awful lot of spending, unfunded liabilities, and we've just taken on you know, all these social programs, uh, printing money, the fiat currency, and everything. And so I have a, a rather pessimistic view of our country's future unless we find a way to turn this around very quickly. I think that there's a strong possibility that we may go into some type of a financial collapse or at least a, a very strong recession or depression. So given that information, if, if you feel the same way, I was wondering if someone didn't have Bitcoin or a lot of uh, gold or silver or something like that, as a financial guy, um, what would you recommend someone to do in order to try to start preparing and protect themselves from any kind of a financial collapse. Uh, appreciate your thoughts, and I look forward to hearing hearing them on the new program. Thanks. Yes, uh, Mick is a great friend of the program and has been a listener for many years. 
and uh, good to have him uh, calling in today. And uh, yes, uh, I consider Mick almost like family. He's been around uh, so long and uh, connected with with the show and uh, good to hear from Mick today. Uh, Mick, I'm with you. I, I have such deep concerns, especially when we see this most recent spending package, which was over $3 trillion. I guess when all said and done, it's probably going to be over $4 trillion. And I just don't know. I don't know how any of this is sustainable. Even if you look at the most um, optimistic projections of growth, you know, the idea that maybe there's some way we can grow our way out of this. I just don't see it. I I really don't. Uh, So what do we do? You know, what do we as individuals do about this? And, uh, you know, I, I think obviously you mentioned Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin because it has a limited supply. I think in times like these, uh, assets like like Bitcoin uh, will do well and they, it is doing well. Um, I also do like precious metals, although I haven't been as big uh, of an advocate of that uh, in, in, in recent years, at least as big as, as others. I mean, I've never said put all your money in gold, put all your money in silver or anything like that. But I do think having some money um, in precious metals does make a lot of sense. But let me take this kind of into a little bit of a different direction. I tend to look at at things like getting out of debt, um, setting up a lifestyle where you can live on a very modest amount of money, um, being able to uh, be self-employed, at least for some of your money, so that you can control your income. You know, that is, you're not completely relying on an employer that can walk in at any time and tell you you no longer have a job. Also, in terms of employment, uh, I'm suggesting that people, you know, consider reinventing themselves. You know, that is, you know, maybe moving to something that is recession proof as your employment. And what would those things be? Well, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but government jobs, uh, the government uh, seems to be recession proof. And uh, there are a lot of jobs in local government in particular Uh, that are recession proof. For example, right here in my own town, they actually have a shortage of of workers that they need for our water treatment plant. And they're so short of workers that they're actually holding free training workshops to teach people how to work in the water treatment plant. Uh, So there are jobs like that, jobs in healthcare, for example. There's so many things in healthcare now that you can get into, even with just a few months of training. Uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, going to school uh, for 10 years to become a doctor. I mean, you can do that, but I'm talking about people becoming uh, medical technicians, doing things like x-rays, uh, which you can get trained to do in a year or 18 months. Respiratory therapists, same thing, a year or 18 months. People um, even getting into uh, becoming, uh, I believe it's called phlebotomist, where you're actually someone that draws blood and you're able to work at a medical clinic or even go out to people's homes and take blood samples, uh, for example, when they're applying for insurance. So I'm looking at this not as much, and this might surprise Mick and others listening, not as much from an investment standpoint. I mean, obviously, you want to look at your investments, and I do think the stock market is overvalued, and you want to look at investments that would do well in times of high inflation, 
And that would include things like real estate. Although, you know, other than owning your own home, I'm cautious to get into any real estate because of this whole matter of these uh, eviction and foreclosure moratoriums. I'm not really sure how you can, with any confidence, go out and buy investment real estate. Um, So I think people should own a home. I think you should try to uh, become debt free on your home. I think you should get out of all other non home type debt. I think you should uh, try to establish some amount of self-employment income, if not completely uh, able to live on self-employment income and to redesign your uh, your lifestyle so that you can live on a very modest amount of money. Uh, I mean, this could include a lot of things, right? Some people are looking at at relocating. Once you get a self-employment income, you can live anywhere. And some people are looking at, you know, areas of the country where you can still buy a house for less than $100,000. There are still places in this country you can buy a house for $50,000. No kidding. Um, A lot of the listeners to my show are not big investors. I mean, that's at least my sense of it. So I, I don't spend a lot of time talking about, you know, stock market allocations and stock picks and things like that. But I will say that I think the stock market is overvalued. And if you've made a lot in the stock market, be grateful. And I would personally take a good chunk of that money off the table and put it into, you know, more secure things. Um, so yes, Bitcoin, gold, but I think also, Mick, more about re Uh, redesigning your personal lifestyle so that you're able to live on a very, very modest amount of money. For example, if you could if you could restructure your life so that you could live on less than a couple thousand dollars a month, I think no matter what happens in the economy, you're going to be okay. especially if you've got some self-employment income and you've got some amount of skills and like I said, you know, nothing wrong with having a job, too, and uh, getting a job somehow in the public sector, a job that is is recession proof. Uh, I'll throw out a strange one here for you. Gar- garbage collectors. I mean, garbage collectors here in Florida. It's a tough job, but these guys are getting paid a thousand dollars or more a week. And there's a shortage of garbage collectors, such a shortage that some days our garbage doesn't get picked up because there's a shortage. So there's a lot of these jobs. And right now with um, the current economy where there's so many businesses that are short of workers, this is an opportunity for those people that want to work. Uh, they will even train you to, to be able to do the job. Uh, there are hospitals that are just desperate for people. Uh, local governments that are desperate for people. So I think now is the time to take a look at your life and and to kind of rein in everything that's not necessary. I'm not talking about building a bunker and moving out to the country, but but really challenge yourself. How little can you live on on a monthly basis? And uh, following all the other things that I mentioned, uh, getting out of debt, to the extent that it's possible, developing some self-employment income, look at reinventing yourself, maybe getting into a job uh, that's super secure, you know, working for the government, working for a hospital, uh, you know, healthcare, all of that, you know, area, finding something that is recession proof. I think those are the more personal moves that people need to make and um, not as much 
in my view, is it going to be about having the right investments? Although I do love Bitcoin, you know that. Um, gold, silver, I think are fine also. Taking money out of the stock market right now into more conservative areas, uh, even just in, in good cash funds or short-term bond funds, I think are also great moves. Thanks so much for your message, uh, Mick. A great question as always. All right, we have time for one more question. This one is coming in by email. And uh, I love the email questions. However, only the questions that are actually recorded get entered into our contest for the free box of books. So just letting everybody know that, reminding you of that. But I do uh, love the email questions in any case. This question coming in from Jennifer. Jennifer wants to know what my opinion is of credit repair. And uh, wow, this is kind of a loaded question because when you use the phrase credit repair, that can mean a lot of things. It can. And there are these sort of scammy uh, companies that claim that overnight they can give you a new credit score. Uh, some even claim they can start a whole new credit identity for you. So, Jennifer, as far as that kind of stuff goes, no, I, I do not support any of that or agree with any of it or think any of that is legitimate. However, if you want to ask me the question, is there a way for a person to actually improve their credit score quickly? The answer is yes. And, and you don't need to go to anyone or pay anybody any money to do that. I wrote a book called Credit Scoring Secrets, How to Raise Your Credit Score 100 Points in 100 Days. And it's something um, that I learned from back in the day when I was a part owner of a mortgage company. And one of the things we used to do was we would create our own clients. And how we created clients was we would run an ad and it would say, uh, if you have bad credit, we will help you to get approved for a mortgage. So what we would do is meet with people. We would show them some simple things they could do to begin to rebuild their credit and over the course of three months to six months, their credit would go up enough that they would then become a mortgage client. And we weren't doing anything dishonest. We weren't doing anything sketchy or questionable. It was all totally above board. And in fact, um, the methods I was using, I learned from a seminar that was put on by one of the credit bureaus. One of the conventions that I attended as a mortgage broker had a seminar, a workshop that was free. It's part of the, the convention that was actually put on by one of the credit bureaus. And they actually showed us how credit scores were calculated and how to improve the credit scores quickly. So this is something that they're all for. I mean, they, they are... Um, not against this. We're not doing anything shady or or tricking them or getting people uh, to a point of having a good credit score in some dishonest way. Uh, this is all legit above board and, and the strategies I learned from uh, the credit bureau. So let me tell you a couple of things that we would do. Um, that book is only like two or three bucks, I think, over on Amazon, the Kindle version of it. You can also get the uh, printed version for a little bit more than that. But the one thing that happened was people would come in and they thought that their credit score was mostly about all the bad things that were on their credit report. Most of them had old items like I'm talking about four or five, six years, seven years old, 
old items where they got behind on bills. Maybe they had uh, credit cards that were charged off where they were, you know, in collections. Then the collection people gave up on it, it became a tax write off. And you kind of saw their credit score was low and they currently had nothing going. They had no current credit cards. Um, They didn't really have any car payments. They were basically somebody that had dormant credit uh, going back, you know, four or five years. And this is what happens. People go through a downturn financially. They get behind on their obligations. And then what happens is those debts go into collection. And a lot of times they're, you know, written off as a tax loss. And so people are kind of stuck. You know, they've got maybe a 500 credit score, which is terrible. They're not going to be able to get a mortgage, maybe not even a car loan. Maybe they could go to buy here, pay here to get a car loan. So what happens is, Jennifer, they come in. They think that fixing their credit is all about going back into that, you know, list of the old stuff that is bad on their credit report and somehow getting that off their credit Uh, report. And so there are people that will, you know, charge you three hundred, four hundred dollars, $500, $1,000 to write letters and and challenge those items to try to get them removed. But here's the truth. That is not going to do anything. That is not going to do anything. And, and in fact, if it does anything, it will, it will cause problems for you. And in my book, I refer to this as waking up the dead. You know, that is you take an old item, that's no longer reporting fresh information on you that they've basically written off and they've forgotten about you and you start uh, writing letters. It ends up uh, causing you uh, to bring that item uh, into the current day and, and it starts reporting again and they start demanding that you pay the money and it takes something that was from the past that was not an issue and now makes it an issue in the present day. So what you're looking for when you get a copy of your credit report, which by the way, there's a number of ways you can get a free copy of your credit report. I'm not gonna really get into that here today. Just do a Google search, you'll find that. I also have some articles on my blog about how to get your credit report for free. You wanna look not just what's on the credit report, but what's presently reporting. And you can see that, the date of the last report. So if an item has not reported on you in a year to 18 months, it probably has having virtually no effect on your credit. So to go back and start challenging that item, trying to get it removed, is not going to do anything but possibly lower your credit score. Because if you take an old item that's not presently reporting, And by writing letters and challenging it and trying to get it removed, you actually get that creditor to start reporting new, fresh information. It's going to bring your score down. So let me tell you how to raise your credit report, uh, your credit score quickly. It's it's super simple and it's totally legit. Again, this is information that was given to me directly uh, in a training workshop from one of the major credit bureaus. The key to good credit is having present day open accounts that are being paid on time that have low balances. That is, you owe, let's say, 20 to 30% um, or less of the current available credit. So one of the problems is the question is, well, how do I get credit if I have bad credit? 
because that doesn't sound like it's very helpful, Jim, because no one will give me credit because my credit score is so low. You're sitting with a 500 credit score. How do you get any credit to be able to reestablish good credit? And the answer to that is to get uh, to use secured credit. And if you go into any bank or any credit union, most of them have a program. Just tell them, hey, look, I'm, I, I want to rebuild my credit. Uh, do you have a secured loan or a secured credit card program? And what this means is that you will make a deposit with the bank of, say, $300. They will then give you a loan for $300 or a credit card with a available balance of $300 on it. They're taking zero risk because you're putting up collateral. Banks know about this. They're called secured loans or secured credit cards. So here is sort of the recipe. The recipe is you want three credit cards to be open and you want to keep the balances to no more than 30% of the available credit line and you want to pay them on time. You can go to three different banks. You can go to a website called Bankrate Monitor. You can do a Google search for that. They've got a whole list of secured credit cards uh, that you can do this with. Uh, and you want one installment loan. So that will be through a bank or a credit union. You'll put in a $300, $500 deposit. They will then give you a loan against that deposit. Um, if you keep your balances low on your credit cards and the payments paid on time, and you pay that installment loan on time, literally within three to four months, your credit score will jump by 100 points. So if you're somebody sitting with a 500 score, a 520 score, 550 score, you could be at a, a 650, uh, 630, 650. That would give you a credit score that would be good enough to be able to uh, get a subprime mortgage, um, to get a, a, a car loan with a decent interest rate. So that that is the key to it. So it is it is not about what happened five years, six years, seven years ago. It's present day credit. That is what will mostly influence your credit score. And there's a lot more on that in my book, Credit Scoring Secrets. All right. Thanks to everybody for joining us today. Our first uh, episode of Ask Me Anything. Uh, please support this week's sponsor, which is internetpaycheckforlife.com. To ask your own question, you can send an email to jim at christianmoney.com or you can record your question by going to jimparisradio.com. Remember, if you record a question, your name goes into the drawing and uh, you have a chance to win uh, this month's box of books. All of the books that we get from the publishers and our guests and even people that want to be guests that don't end up on the show. All those books are here and uh, we get a bunch of them. We even get DVDs and we want to give those away once a month uh, to one person who called in and recorded a question. Uh, we will randomly pick one person uh, out of a hat uh, to give away uh, the box of books each month. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, uh, it's, it's all about your participation, your questions that makes it interesting. This is Jim Paris here as always to help you make the most of God's money. So long, everybody. Talk to you next time.